0: I don't believe I'm just here by accident. I believe that God has me here on purpose. And uh, is to share and to add a little bit of what God has been doing. Because this is not a common thing. One thing I've learned is never treat what's uncommon as common. Because it's not an uncommon thing. I know God's moving in Zoa Church. You ask me, well, how do you know, Pastor Josiah? Well, I'll tell you. Number one is because, you know, after the pandemic, not every church reopened not every church came back and our hearts mourn for those pastors and those churches and and my prayers go out to them but if you but the bible says this it says that when the storm comes it says that the ones who are on the sand will wash away but the ones who are on the rock are going to withstand and i'm just going to say this if you've been at zoe for any amount of time or if it's your first time here and by the way, if you don't like it, come back next week. Pastor Chad will be here. You'll like him. But, <laughs> just, yo soy tu Latino hermano de, come on, somebody Orange County. Careful, que me en español y olvídate. I talk twice as fast, all right? So, <laughs> translation, good morning. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, uh, what is I talking about? Squirrel, just kidding. So, you know, uh, you know God's here because the Bible says the churches or the people that are founded on the rock that when the storm comes, they'll still remain. And you don't ever have to doubt if God's moving here. I know God's moving here. Why? Because Zoe Church is still founded on Jesus. It's still moving. It's still, come on, growing. It's still reaching the community. Oh, come on, clap because God is in this place. The Bible says that unless the Lord builds a house, those who labor, labor in vain. And this is not a work of man. This is a work of God. And so I'm just honored to participate and to be able to share a little something. And there's a story of of why I'm here, and um, I want to tell you that because I really do believe I'm here on assignment, okay? God has me on an assignment. A couple weeks ago, I was in prayer, and it's just in a moment of prayer and worship, and um, God put your church on my heart. And I was like, okay. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Y'all been on a series of the Holy Spirit, too, by the way, so we're in the juice right now, okay, somebody. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, so into the home is here your home is here project god spoke to me so into it and i'm like so my wife is my witness okay she, she she'll tell you the truth okay and 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 uh she, she's like she's like she's like a real christian she like reads her bible and prays every day come on which we all should but you know what i mean and my, my, my kids funny story my kids they get mad like mom you're reading your bible again how many times you got to read that book like, why is it so thick? Why is the Bible so thick? I said, because your head's so hard. Just kidding. Anyway, uh, sorry, focus. So I, I'm like, I am like, I was in a moment of prayer. I said, honey, I go, God spoke to me that we need to sow into that. And so she's like, all right, well, that's whatever God puts on your heart. And so, um, you know, some days pass and, you know, church life gets busy. And then the following week, your pastor texts me. And he's like, hey, we just wanted honored to have you come speak at Zoe. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're in the juice now. So I was like, "That's either the Holy Spirit, or you had me wiretapped, and you knew that I said that." Just kidding, because <laughs> you know how social media—you say something, it shows up on your. You know, anyway, so I was like, "But you know, when all that, like, that's the Holy Spirit." So I'm like, oh, "I said, bro, you're not gonna believe this. My wife's the witness." I said, "God told me to sow," and I'm like, "Guys, we're in, we're in a mo- we're in a moment right now." So I said, "I'd be so honored." And so, I, of course, moved, moved my my schedule around, and and I'm like, "I would, I'd be honored to be there." And I didn't tell Pastor Chad this part. But my wife and I, I want to tell you, I believe what God's doing here. I believe that this is not common. I believe that that, that God is positioning churches strategically in areas of influence to bring about not just the next move of God, but the now move of God for people that are hurting right now, who need, come on somebody, purpose right now, abundant life right now, direction right now. And I believe this is it. And so I just want to tell you guys that I believe what God's doing here. And so my wife and I prayed, and we're, we're going to pledge 10000 towards your Home is Here project. To God be the glory. You know, that's what we're doing. And I'm not saying that for, for an applause. I'm just saying that to tell you I believe what God's doing here. And, and I want to be a part of it. My wife and I want, want, to, want to reap a harvest of that. And I pray that you, you partner with what God's going to do because this is seed form. Like, like listen, 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 listen. God is preparing this church for the church that's coming. Two people. I said, God is preparing this church for the church that's coming. And I just want to say it like this. Maybe you've been to church before, but have you ever built a church before? Have you ever been part of starting something from the ground up and saying, God, I used to go to a church, but now I'm helping grow a church. I don't just want to, come on. I don't just want to go to church. I want to build the church. And I think that's an, let me tell you something, that is like an honor of a lifetime. Because I look back now at some of the moments, I mean, I remember when we were at Mobile Church, we were like at 14 locations, Pastor Julian, like nine years, you know? And uh, they started telling us, they're like, dude, how many Freedom Houses are there? I'm like, it's actually one, we're just everywhere. You know what I'm saying? They're like, we see you got different. I mean, you would have to go to our social media to find out where we're going to be the next, next week. Anyway, it's crazy. And, and, uh, and I just remember those days, of how those moments were actually, listen, I mean it. And for some of you that, that have a future type of thinking, okay, my, my background um, before I was a pastor, I had my Series 7, my Series 66, I remember the New York Stock Exchange, and it was investments. That I, That's before I became a pastor. It was my financial background. And they would call it seed funding, where when you see an idea, you would see, because you go, man, that's going to be something in the future. And what you'd get was equity because, because you saw something that was going to move. And I'm going to tell you, this is good soil. I said, this is good soil. I'm just building you up this morning. Listen, you could say like you want, like, I don't know, man. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is setting something up for Zoe Church. I mean it. There, there, there is something that God is positioning, not just by not just by accident or coincidence, but on purpose. And some of you, you know, you're not just here, you're called here. Two people. I said, you're called here, somebody. You're called here. And, and the reason why is because God is positioning for what's to come. And I've, I've known this in my life seed is cheap, soil's expensive. You can go to Home Depot and buy, 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 buy some, some seed for $4.99, whatever you want. Roses, you can buy petunias, whatever you want. Avocados, everything's better with avocado, by the way. And so, avocados. And you can buy $4.99. Seed's cheap, but soil's expensive. It'll cost you millions to buy soil, to buy actual ground. And I'm telling you this is good soil. Scripture says there's 30, 60, and a hundredfold soil. I believe Zoe church is a hundredfold soil. Oh, I said, I believe Zoe church is a hundredfold soil. I said, it's a hundredfold soil. Why? Because again, souls are being saved. And so I want to believe God and all that's connected to, to what I want to share today, because I do believe that, that as we're in these moments of building your home is here facility, but more important building you building us, building a community for the now church, because the world needs a church that's not just about entertainment but about a touch of God. And, and so, it's going to tie into what I want to share today because I, I, what I want to share today is not like my best message, because you know, sometimes you're like, when the pastor comes, he's gonna come give us our best message. And, and I'm not saying this is not one of my good messages. I actually studied, okay? But, <laughs> where do you guys want to go? Open your Bible. Listen, I'm joking. But But this is one that God said, I want you to to deliver this one. So I'm just the FedEx today, okay? I'm just Amazon. I just want to come to your doorstep and say, God told me to bring you something, and I believe that this word is a now word of what God wants to build inside of us. And so would you receive not the word of man, but the word of God this morning? Would you lean into what the scripture says? Would you lean in that I believe the Holy Spirit has us here? Because Pastor Chad didn't know what God spoke to me a couple weeks ago. So God was already preparing my heart. And so, I want to talk to you today about how God moves in the life of a church and through the church. And so, if you would grab your Bibles, go with me to 2 Kings, chapter number three, and we're going to read this this here. And uh, I think it's something special that we get to open the scriptures. And I don't want to go any further without saying I want to honor because things don't happen by accident. And you know, you got amazing pastors. Your pastors are first class, Pastor Chad and Julia. You had to clap a little louder than that. Come on now, you better. I'm telling you, you are spoiled. Tell the person they say we're spoiled. <laughs> you really are, and I know what you think. I always gotta preface it because we live in a culture that always like, listen. I don't have to say anything nice. In fact, there are a lot of pastors that I don't really like them. Just joking. Come on, somebody. I love them. I'm just kidding. I don't like. Anyway, but but your pastors are genuine. Like they really love God. They've been tested through the fire. And I just think we ought to clap really loud and thank God for our pastors, Pastor Chad and Julia, and thank God for them. Pray for them. Pray for their marriage because the devil is fighting them. The devil fights all of us, you know, but enemy knows if he can take him out that he can hurt a community. But stand to your feet. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. We love you guys, Chad and Julia and their kids, you know, Winston, Maverick, Clive. Georgia, and if you want a dog, you can have mine. Just joking. Um, all right, Second Kings, <laughs> Second Kings. Come on, somebody. Second Kings, chapter three. We're going to read a few passages of scripture here, and we're going to let God speak to us because the God, the I feel God has me here to deliver this word about miracles. Bible reads like this: says in verse nine, it says, "So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. Say, three kings." It says, and they marched on that roundabout seven days. How many days? So seven days, they're like, like marching, try, trying to find, because the king of Moab had, had tried to fight them. And it says, and there was no water for the army, for the animals, that and the animals that had followed them. So what ends up taking place, they're in the desert, and they actually run out of water. They're in a dilemma. They got no water. I mean, this is worse than having no gas. You ever get caught with no gas? Happened to me one time. I got a phone call, and I was, I was on talking to someone on the phone, and I actually ran out of gas, and I felt like an idiot. Come on, somebody. And I was on the side. And they took like, they're like, are you in an emergency? and I said no I'm perfectly fine so they took like four hours to come to me I should have said it was an emergency just kidding so uh, verse 10 so they have no water say they got no water and it says, and the king of Israel said, alas, for the Lord has called these three kings to deliver us, to deliver them into the hand of the Moabites. So he was like, man, you know what, God set us up. We're going to fail. And he's just talking all this negative talk. They're blaming God as sometimes people do when things get difficult. But verse 11 says, but Jehoshaphat said, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? In other words, Jehoshaphat's like, I don't want to listen to your negativity. I want to know, is there a word of God in this, in this area, in this city? And so the answer is said, Elijah the son of Shaphat is here, who also poured water in the hands of Elijah. And watch verse 12. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. I want to draw your attention that they went to where the word was when they needed a miracle. They didn't go to the word of the world. They didn't go to the word on the street. They didn't go to the word on social media. They're like, when I need a miracle, I'm going to go to where the word of God is. And I'm going to tell you this morning, you ought to clap because you came to the right place. You came to where the word of God is going to go forward. I want to talk today about miracles, but here's the title of my message. I want to talk to you today about messy miracles. Messy miracles. Messy miracles. Because when you're living in purpose, it ain't always pretty. Someone say, I'm a messy miracle. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a mess. No, I'm just saying, don't say that. Come on. <laughs> don't be rude. We're in church. Come on. Say, not you. You're good. You're good. But let's pray and let's get into this word. Bow your head with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning because God, without you, we are nothing. The scripture says, apart from you, we can do no thing that will actually be eternal. So, Father, we thank you for this part of the service because we can hear your word. We didn't come to hear the word of man. We came to hear the word of God. So, Father, speak to us. Challenge us. May I be so bold to say, convict us so that we can become the men and women in the church this generation needs us to be. God, we don't want entertainment. We don't want the show. We want the touch of God on our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Someone say amen. Give God a clap. You may be seated. And just tell the person next to you, say, I'm a messy miracle, but I'm still a miracle. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I want to talk to you today about miracles, about how God works them, and to deliver that to you, what I believe God is doing within this church and within this, I believe, this season or this time, because God does miracles, but sometimes they're messy. See, my life growing up um, was sort of a, well, actually a lot of a mess. Unfortunately, I grew up in uh, East L.A., was, you know, the projects, and, you know, my mom's single mother, unfortunately, my dad had succumbed to his addiction, and uh, he left my mom, and so my mom raised five boys, and uh, she worked two jobs. We lived Section 8 housing. Shout out to all the single moms that are not giving up and raising their family. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're stepping up when someone stepped out. My mom's going to get a trophy in heaven. Come on, somebody. And so uh, you know, we grew up and we were poor. I mean, when I say poor, we were poor. We go to KFC to lick other people's fingers. My wife hates that joke. It's it's gross. You know, I mean we were poor, like, like poor. Like we we didn't have we, we, we were so poor. Like I remember growing up, my mom didn't have not two quarters for me to go uh, to go swimming at the community pool. So, my mom had to make some chicharrones. And uh, if you know what chicharrones is, you have, are missing a piece of heaven, by the way. But hey, here's some chicharronas. And so, my mom would make them, and I would go door to door try to try to sell these chicharrones for 50 cents so I can go swimming at the local community pool. And so, I started my first business because I hired my brother, and I said, Hey, listen, if you go sell them, I'll give you a quarter. And i come on somebody. And so, anyway, hey, you got to make deals. You know what I'm saying? And so, once I had my, we'd go swimming, but we were poor. I mean, we didn't know about no Nike. We got Schnikes. You know what I'm saying? Like, we grew up and just, we grew up being supported by, by, by programs, and I just want to say thank you because I know you guys get ready to do a Thanksgiving of uh, supporting the families. I was one of those families that if it had not been for those things, come on somebody, we wouldn't have food in our fridge, you know. Like, like you, I don't know nothing. I, we had evaporated milk. Y'all talking about, you know, nowadays, you're, you're talking about, I only drink uh, whole milk, homogenized, and, uh, and you know, and, and grass-fed. I don't know, man, which is cool. I ain't hating on you. But the point is, uh, we we're, were poor. It was a mess. It was a mess growing up. Unfortunately, succumbed to drugs by I was 10 years old, followed that stereotypical thing. But God did something in our lives. I thank God because we had a praying mom. I said, we had a praying mom. Come on, somebody. I love it because my mom would always tell us. But one thing was about our family is we, we were a mess. Mom would pray, but us boys, we would fight. Like, like, I was well-behaved. My brothers were crazy. Just kidding. I can't lie in church. But, you know, I mean, we were, we were crazy. I mean, crazy. I got expelled from school. And so we'd always fight. We'd always get, get us stuff. And, but one thing we knew is, like, if you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can beat up my brother, but you can't. You know what I'm saying? Like that's my brother. So I could. But one thing we did. So so we'd fight. But if one somebody fought against one of us, you're gonna have to fight the Silver Boys. And the Silver Boys, we were scrappy. We're not been the biggest kids, but we were scrappy. Any scrappy people in the house? Come on, somebody. Where it's like well, I, I will bite your ankle. Come on. Yeah. I mean, like I was just ah. You know. I mean, we were scrappy. So yeah. And there was all kinds of us. Like we'd come from the left to right, up in the back. Like you know what I'm saying? And so we would fight together. And so why am I saying all that? I'm saying all that because this is kind of where we come to the scriptures. Because in the scriptures we just read, you got three kings how many kings and the truth is they didn't like each other all the time but they had a common enemy so they came together now i'm going to go real quick for the second time so it's track with me so i can give you the context of what's happening there are three kings and, it's, and, and the nation of israel had been divided there had been the nation of israel to the south the nation of judah to the north and there had been the king of edom and so all three of these uh, didn't get along because they had been divided but what ends up taking place is the moabites end up starting some beef with the, na- the nation of judah and so the king of judah is like like hey Moab started some beef, and they're like, Wow, well, we don't like Moab. And so they had a con en- enemy, so they came together to defeat a common enemy. Now, I'm just going to stop right there and say this, that is some good marriage advice right there. I know some of y'all fight all the time, but you got to recognize you have a con- en- common enemy. And if you would learn to fight against what's fighting you, then you would actually see some breakthrough in your life and not trying to fight each other. Oh, come on, somebody. If you're sitting next to your spouse, say, I'm not your enemy. Just say, I'm not your enemy. Somebody don't even want to say that, and that's why you have problems. Come on. Okay, so <laughs> we'll do the marriage later, okay? But 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 so 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 they got, they got a common enemy. And so what ends up taking place, like, yo, Moab is starting beef. So let's come together and let's go jump Moab. Which is Bam. So they end up getting themselves together. They get all their, their, their armies together. They get their, you know, animals together. They get their cattle together. And they get some provision together. They're like, we're going to go whoop on Moab. So then they start looking for Moab. And, and Moab starts running. And so they're going through the desert. And what ends up happening is they thought it was going to take like one day. Ends up taking two days. Ends up taking three days. And in the verse we read, it says seven days later, they still had not seen the victory. So now a dilemma takes place. They run out of water. And they're like, we ain't got no water. And what ends up happening is what they thought would take it a lot faster ends up taking a lot longer. Have you ever came to a place in your life that you thought something was going to happen a lot faster but it take a lot longer? <laughs> Somebody? And you're like, oh, Lord, I thought this, this was going to take this long. And so why did they run out of water? They didn't run out of water because they didn't bring water. They ran out of water because they didn't think that it would take this long. And here is where miracles begin. Now, I'm going to give you this first point. I'm going to tell you, you are not going to like this point. Some of you are not going to want to write it down. Some of you are going to try to dodge this word like the matrix. You're like, Don't, it ain't coming to me, right? But, but this is a fact about miracles. And this is the first principle that these, these uh, three kings, I'll just say these three jokers, these three kings had to find out. Here's point number one write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. But here's what the first thing you had to find out is things won't always go as you plan. Have you figured out yet that things won't always go as you plan? Like, who in this room can say where I'm at right now is exactly how I planned it? Come on, somebody. See, I got honest people at 12 p.m., you know, with your holy self. You're like, let me tell you something. The last place I was going to find myself was at church at 12 p.m. How many of you know it's just a miracle the fact that you're here this morning? Come on, clap for all the miracles in the house. Clap, 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 clap. See, that's a miracle. And I know, real talk. See, I wasn't raised in church. My wife, she's a PK. She's a pastor's kid. I was a PK, too. Poor kid. Anyway, so, you know, so we. I mean, we just. Uh, it was um, like the problem I didn't come to church on Sunday because it always happened after Saturday. You know, and so, so that's why I like Sunday nights because I, I wasn't, I usually woke up at the crack of sunset. You'll get that one later. And so, crack, oh, get it, the sun's going down and I woke up because Saturday night, okay, no, that's all right, you'll get it later. So anyway, so I like Sunday night because it's like people come to church and I'm telling you, it's a miracle. But the thing about miracles is things don't always go as you planned them. Like, it's just a fact of life. And, again, you might not like it as believers because we think as believers, you know, I got my 10-year plan, my 5-year plan. Oh, Lord, I put it in my Devo, in my in my journal, in my Proverbs, in, I'm sorry, my Jeremiah 29, 11 journal, and I highlighted it. And some of the fellows are like, I got my 10-year business plan, and I'm going to do this. And by the time I'm 30, I'm going to have a 2.5 kids. I'm going to have a white big fence, and I'm going to have a house. it's going to have a big yard. And here you are. Come on, somebody. Just trying to find a couch to sleep on. Come on, somebody. Things won't always go as planned. In fact, tell the person, they say things won't always go as planned. Just tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. Okay, I'm one of those talk to your neighbor preachers because maybe if they don't listen to me, they'll listen to you. Okay. And so, so things won't always go as they plan. And so here was the first principle. That they didn't plan for this. They actually ran out of water. But here's the, here's the thing. When you come into a situation that part of our destiny is connected to difficulty... Your calling is connected to chaos. Come on, somebody. Yeah, What happens to us is oftentimes the plans that that we have for us don't always come. The Bible puts like this, says, a man plans his way, but God's purpose will prevail. And I just want to encourage you, when things don't go as you plan, God still has a plan. Oh, somebody clap because God still has a plan. (laughs) Maybe you thought, I thought we'd have a building by now. I thought, why are we still having to set up and tear down? Come on, dream team. See, being, they won't say, that. we're excited, we're excited, we're excited. We're patient. Take as long as you want for the new building. Hurry, up. Right. you know. It's like, you know, I thought by now, you know, we, we'd be by here. Maybe you thought by now this place, things don't always go as planned. I mean, in my life, it's happened. My wife and I, when we got married, we thought we'd have kids after the first year and we're like, well, you know, first year be us and then we'll have kids. Later on, we find out that we can't, it's hard for us to have children. We go through IVF processes, failed IVF after failed IVF, and we we're unable to have children. And so we end up having children. God does a miracle, and, and I don't want to just overlook and fast forward that, but God did a miracle, and, and we had kids later in our life. And I mean, now I'm going to have to be raising a teenager at, at like age 60. It's all good. You <laughs> don't get a lot of wisdom. I ain't going to get a lot of sleep, but I going to get a lot of wisdom. You know what I'm saying? And so that's not the way I planned it. But it's the way God has a plan. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I thought, you know, the way a certain house or a certain job fell through her. Or, or maybe you're sitting here, and you're like, I thought she was the one. She was gonna be my queen, but she had been a drama queen. Come on, things didn't go as planned. <laughs> maybe you're here and you're like, Pastor, I thought he was the one because he said he believes in God. But then you went to James, you read where the Bible says, even demons believe in God. But they don't obey him. Oh, that was good. That was okay, I was free. That was free of charge. Don't get me started. Don't get me started, okay? You know, because some guys, maybe like, there has to be more about her life to highlight than her hair. Come on, fellas. <laughs> I, don't, don't, please, because I start, you get me on this, we'll be 30 minutes on single people advice, okay? <laughs> don't get me started. Yeah, okay, I better stop. All these thoughts are going through my head. Okay. <laughs> okay, come tonight, and I'll give it to you. That shameless promoting tonight. Anyway, so uh, things don't always go as planned, and this is a reality of life, but this. Church is the backdrop of how God does miracles. This is the backdrop Is when things that we thought would go one way, God says, I got another way. Because we're not going to get the glory, He's going to get the glory. It's not going to be because we were smart, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so when things don't go as planned, here's the second point, and I'll give it to you in a second, but you got to receive this second point. Here, write this down if you can. I'm going to put it up on the screens. Is this, is that your biggest battle? Can become your biggest blessing if you trust on God. Yeah, say, so we say, my biggest battle, my biggest battle. can become my biggest, my biggest blessing if I trust on God. Because I know that if I passed the microphone, microphone around this room, I, there would be some stories that you guys would say of how God did some the most amazing things, but in the most terrible backdrop. One thing I've learned is my greatest season isn't always my favorite season. that when I see God, when I think nothing's happening, God is usually stirring up something that's going to give him the glory. Oh, I hope somebody gets this at Zoe Church because I know God is setting up a backdrop of the church coming into a new season of revival, a new season of souls being saved. And I'm not just talking about, you know, some hyper-Pentecostal statement. I'm talking about people really turning to God because, listen, society ain't working. Things are falling down. Well, come on. People are trying to find hope where there is no hope. and The world's asking questions we the answer. And so I love the, how the story continues because one of these three jokers, just kidding, kings, Jehoshaphat was like, hey, guys, because the king of Israel was like, no, uh, 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 you know, he's like um, King Jehum who says, no, God, God must have set us up for failure. He's like, we're all going to die. It's all over. And you know, that's, that's a picture of just how some people that are negative, right, that always try to discourage us. You got to be very careful the voices that come into your life. Yeah, it's okay to close the door sometimes. It's okay to press the unfollow. It's okay to press the block. It's okay to delete some things. Come on, somebody, all right? And so Jehoshaphat says this, and I got to move quick here, but Jehoshaphat ends up being like, you know what? Let's go to, the, to, the, to where the word of God is. Like, you know, I know what the word on the street is. I know what the word of the world is. I know, I know what people are saying, but what is God saying? I, I know what the news is saying. I know, I know what my my uncle Rico's saying, okay? Because you know Uncle Rico's smart, even though he's in his garage. Uh, anyway, so it's like I know, what, I know I know what my is saying. I gotta go little I know what my tia said. I know. But what is God saying? Because I, I would I, I would charge you that the most important word is not the word of what the world has and the opinion of the word or the world, but it's what does God say about where we are and where He's gonna lead us. Come on, Zoe, church. And I want to applaud you because you being here this morning shows that you're like, I want to hear what God says. I know it. And I want to celebrate you. Because the fact that you came or you logged in online, what you're saying is, I'm going to tune into what God says. And I want to clap for you. Come on, clap because we're winning. Clap because we're winning. Clap because we're winning. That's why the devil fights you, in fact. So that we get caught up on everything else, right? And so... He goes. He says, "See what the prophet says," and and and, the, and he ends up going there. And when he goes to the prophet, uh, he ends up asking him this question. I'm just going to jump ahead for the sake of time. I got to move quick here. Me and the clock are always wrestling. And, and anyway, it's just it's just one of my things. Sun stand still. Just joking. All right. How many give me five more minutes? 5, 10, 15, 20. Just kidding. No. Yeah. Y'all, y'all want to be in here, but the kids church workers are like, y'all better end on time. Come on. All right. Come on somebody. <laughs> you know how to So the Bible says this here. So they go and they begin to inquire about the prophet. And they finally find the prophet. But here's what he says in verse 13. Let me move forward here. The Bible says that they find Elijah. Then Elijah said to the king of Israel, he says, what have I to do with you? Like he gets, he goes gangster. He gets a little snappy on him. So like, what does the word say? And they're like, prophet, tell us what, what God says. What does the word say? And he's like, what do I got to do with you? And then he says this, go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. So he goes a little gangster on him. Now what he was doing is he was challenging him, saying, oh, so you finally realized that everything else you gave your life to can't produce the miracle. <laughs> everything you give your life to won't be able to produce a miracle in the middle of your mess. And this is one of the greatest principles we can learn. Is be very careful when you give your life to something that won't give life back to you. You got to be very careful that you're, what you give your life to. Because you can give your life to ego. You can give your life to significance by the applause of people. And ain't nothing wrong with having dreams and goals. But I'm telling you right now, be very careful what you give your life to. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose their own identity, to lose their own soul, to lose their own purpose, to lose who they really are. Come on, somebody. And so he's like, oh, now you come. And so then I love what he says here because he's like, okay, I'm going to tell you what God says. Because they're like, we need water. We need a miracle. We're in a mess. It's a hot mess in the desert. Get it, hot mess? And so we're in a mess. And, and he goes, okay, well, chill, bro. I'm not, I'm not the miracle worker. I know the miracle worker. But I'm not the miracle worker, so here's what he says in the next verse. He says this, He goes, "Bring me a musician." He says, "He says, uh, 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 not, uh, not Jehoshaphat. That's right. Thank you. Go to the next verse. If you can't go to verse 15. I'm just kind of jumping ahead here. He says here. He says, "Bring me a musician." And then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. So, so bring me the musician. Here it comes right now. Okay, <laughs> did you guys see how we did that? It's like we like we're on point, guys. This is the most, best production team right here. You guys are awesome, man. You guys are organized right here. We like practice that. Church hack, when the piano player comes up, service is almost over. Okay, so, you know, don't worry, the piano player is up there. It's almost over. Just calm down. (laughs) But I got the mic. Just joking. All right. (laughs) Just kidding. And so he says, bring me the musician. And what this was a picture of is it was a picture of an atmosphere of worship. Messes become miracles when you can get an atmosphere of worship. Where you can hear God clearly. This is a principle that I'm telling you that when you come into an atmosphere of worship, you'll begin to hear God clearer. Now, why is that? That's because when there's worship, the devil hates worship because he was one of the three archangels of worship in heaven. And he hates worship because it's something he will never be able to do again. He has to flee. And it's biblical. Let me show you the verse because I don't just like making up statements here. First Samuel chapter 16. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says here, And whenever a tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp, and then Saul would fear better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. This is why some of you, when you come to church, and after the worship service, you walk out, and you're like, you feel like Superwoman you feel like super like devil don't even look at me if i even get you to make an eye contact i will slap you i will smack you why because there's something when you begin to fight off everything that's been oppressing you everything that's been compressing you everything that's been trying to depress you everything that's been trying to keep you in anxiety that when you get an atmosphere of worship god begins to move demons have to flee and you begin to hear god more clearly come on somebody that's why it's so important that you come on a Sunday. That's why it's so important that you come uh, when God opens the doors. But not just that, create an atmosphere of worship in your homes. Because the truth is, you're like, oh, sir, the thing, the situation is, is I'm at home and all hell's breaking loose. And I'm like, if I just had the keyboard player in my house. Well, good news, you can't get a Zoe worship album, plug it in. Sometimes you gotta take out J C and put in Jay Z and put in J C. Come on, somebody. Now I'm not one of those preachers, you know, who's like, like never listen to nothing but worship. Like, no, sometimes me and my wife, you know, we gonna hear. Let's get it on. I think I need to do a marriage series because like talking about it. so you know, there are times. But the point is, there are other times where you gotta know the atmosphere you're in. You got to know that when things have not gone as planned, you got to know when the biggest battle can become the biggest blessing and you need to trust God. You got to know when you're in a dry place. You got to know when you don't know where else to turn. You got to know that it's not time for me to try to hear the word of the world, but I got to put some worship in my car. I got to put some worship in my living room. I got to put some worship in my life. That's why I prioritize Sunday morning like I prioritize the gym on Sunday afternoon. That's why I prioritize my time with the community of believers because one, one can send a thousand to flight but two can send ten thousand to flight and the Bible says that if two agree it shall be established and so I'm coming with my church family and I'm agreeing God establish your power in this place there's some powerful atmosphere of worship and it's much more than just you know spectating but it's participating so I'm almost done here is he it gets in the atmosphere of worship almost say a messy miracle he says, okay, God, tell me what you need to do to see the miraculous come to your life. And hear all that to say this. He then says in verse 17, he actually, he says in verse 16, put that up for me, I'll preach from the from the text. Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. That's not what they wanted to hear. They're like, hey, Elijah or Elisha, I don't know if you realized my prayer request, but I wasn't asking for work, I was asking for water. (laughs) I came because I needed you to like wave your hand or something. I needed you to like I needed you to kind of just one, two, three turn in a circle and everything would be changed. But Elijah instead, watch this now, don't miss this, this is what God came God told me to deliver. He says, I'm not going to give you water, I'm going to give you a shovel. It's like, Lord. And he opens her hand. Huh? I didn't come for this. Oh my God. He says, you understand. He says, make this valley full of ditches. Then he says this next thing in verse 17. He says, because when it comes, for thus says the Lord, you shall not see the wind, nor shall you see the rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that your you. And your cattle, which is a representation of their income, their business, their career, he says, you, your business, your career, your animals are gonna drink. And this, in fact, is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. I know you think it's a big thing, but what's big to God? Tell your problem how big God is, not how big your problem is to God. He says, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but what you're facing, it's a simple thing for God. God can change your marriage, God can change your life, God can change your heart God can change LA I said God can move in LA he says a simple thing and then he says this in fact I'm not going to end right there he says a simple thing is, say Lord but I'm also going to deliver the Moabites in your hand in other words I'm not only going to give you provision I'm also going to give you the victory I don't know who that's for I don't know who I'm talking to but you came in you're just asking God for a little bit of water but God says I'm also going to give you a whole lot of victory so that when people see you they know that had to be God. That had to be God. Like, come on, some of you, you know. When people heard that you gave your life to God, they're like, hey, bro, God must be real because I knew how tore up you were, you know what I'm saying? Like, that had to be God. But there was, a, there was a condition to this miracle because miracles are not automatic. He handed him a shovel. And he says, watch this, I'm, I'm done right here, just one more minute. He says, Phil, Verse 16, fill this valley with ditches. In other words, God will move when you move. In other words, this valley, which by the way, the valley represented hard soil. Because sometimes you got to dig through some hard things. I said sometimes you got to dig through some hard things. He says, dig and make it full of ditches. And to the proportion of the depth of the ditch you dig is the amount of water I am going to send on your life. If you're willing to say, God, I didn't just come to church for three points, a cute song, and a God bless you. I came to church to do some digging. I came to do some digging. I came to dig for my family. I came to dig for my marriage. I came to dig for this city. I came to dig for my legacy. I came to break generational strongholds. My parents didn't dig deep, but I'm going to dig deep for God. Somebody give God a dig deep worship like we didn't come to be a shallow church I didn't come to be a shallow Christian I didn't come to be a shallow worshiper I didn't come to be a shallow person of authority I came to say God this generation needs some Christians to dig deep in prayer to dig deep in fasting, to dig deep in giving, to dig give, dig deep in ha, ha, heart for the house, to dig deep and say, I'm gonna be a believer that digs when other people are running. Somebody give God some praise this morning. Shout because God is gonna send the rain. I said, God is gonna send the rain. I know there's no doubt God's gonna send his mood, his spirit. The question is not, is the ring going to come? The question is, did you prepare? Did you get your seed in the ground? Did you dig deep? What does digging deep look like? doesn't mean we're all going to get shovels outside and go dig a big old hole. In the Old Testament, it was physical. In the New Testament, it's spiritual. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, principalities, and spiritual forces of weakness. Well, what does digging deep look like for the New Testament church? Means we're not going to be shallow in prayer. I'm going to dig deep. Means I'm not going to be shallow. I'm, I don't just want a little puddle from God. I want me like a big old reservoir. That's why I love your pastor, Pastor Chad, because he had a big vision. And some of you saw the number and said, "Well, that sounds like a lot." No, you want know sounds like a lot? Five billion dollars for SoFi Stadium. That sounds like a lot. And they only there eight games. The Rams we ain't making the playoffs this year. We're trying, we're trying, okay? That sounds like a lot. No, what he's saying is we're gonna dig. We're going to see God pour out his rain on this house. Anybody still hungry for an outpouring for in the last days says the Lord I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your, uh, come on shall prophesy. Come on somebody and your daughters, come on. Your daughters are going to prophesy. Where are the ladies at? We need some women that have a touch from God in this season. So I leave you with this question. Actually, let me give you the third point. I didn't do it last service. Is God will fill what you're willing to the depth you're willing to dig. That's what he'll do. And so I leave you with this last question. What or where do you need to dig deeper to see that mess become a miracle? And I know God is calling this church to a deeper place with him. Lift your hands towards heaven. Father, I thank you we're not here by accident or coincidence. In fact, I know I'm not here by accident or coincidence. But you have me here on assignment. Like I said, I'm just FedEx. I'm just FedEx. And I believe God is calling the leaders of this church to dig deeper. To grow your capacity. God says he wants to take your passion into more productivity. God wants to take your fire into a greater season of fruitfulness. God wants to take the intensity into capacity. That there is now a crossing over that needs to take place. Why? Because he is stirring up the now church for this now generation. And I'm telling you, get ready for the clusters of miracles that are going. I see like a cluster of grapes that's going to take place. Why? Because, God, you're going to send the rain. God, you're going to send the rain. And we're going to prepare the atmosphere for it. So the question is, where do you need to dig deep? Come on, let's worship him.